and before before we go a step further we'll ask for the Lord's presence Father in heaven we thank you for bringing us all here safely if there's any more on the on the road please deliver them here and Father, for all those that are here this evening, for those who tune in and are listening, we just ask for your blessing upon each and every one of us. May the Holy Spirit be in our hearts and in our minds, and may he also be th speak through me as we prepare to look at uh, the story of Belshazzar and um, uh, what happened to him in the book of Daniel. So Father, bless us now and be with us because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, uh, there's many sayings and proverbs which are commonly used in everyday speech and they come from the Bible. The one I can particularly think of when I was a young fella and I didn't even know what the Bible was back in those days. Uh, we used to go fishing and, you, and we'd go fishing any time, day or night. As long as it was red at night, we knew we were going to have a, a really wonderful day the next day and if it was red in the morning, we were expecting storms and rain. Well, Jesus talked about that. We know that. But there's also other things. Have you heard of by the skin of my teeth? Yeah, well, that's from Job. That's found in the book of Job. So people use terminology, little, little expressions, which are literally Bible sayings. So the skin of my teeth. Um, here's another one that I've never particularly used, but you've, uh, it says a living dog is better than a dead lion, and that's in Ecclesiastes um, chapter 9. And of course, uh, we've often heard of Jacob's Ladder, and here in, in uh, Brisbane, particularly South Brisbane, there is actually a, a place around here called Jacob's Well. So um, there's interesting um, biblical expressions that occur. Now, another one of these is the writing on the wall. Now, we've heard of that one quite often, and um, that's the title of this particular unit this evening, and everybody seems to know what it means but very few have any idea where it comes from. Uh, what does it mean? Well, it kind of means judgment is coming. The writing is on the wall. Uh, the end is near. And to whom did this saying apply? Well, it applied to Belshazzar, Babylon's last ruler. So as we look at this chapter, chapter 5 of Daniel this evening, what we're going to be looking for or what we're going to find out about is the prince who knew the best but chose the worst. It's not a good choice. We're going to discover about a great city that drinks itself to destruction. Um, nowadays that could be any city around the world but uh, this is back then. And we're going to find out about King Belshazzar's Judgment Day and we're going to find out about the unerring balances of God, how he executes judgment perfectly. So the mystery of Belshazzar, this is an interesting story. I'm loving this thing. Aha. Uh -huh. Okay, the mystery of Belshazzar. The chapter in this in chapter introduces us to another ruler, Belshazzar, who was the last king of Babylon. Uh, his name means Bel, protect the king. Bel was another name for the god Marduk, 
Until recent times, complete mysteries surrounded Belshazzar. Unlike the famous Nebuchadnezzar, his name has never been found outside of Daniel's writings. Not for a long, long time. Um, as well, all the ancient historians listed Nabonidus as the uh, Babylon's last king. So critics concluded that the story of Belshazzar was simply a myth. And they did that for a long time. But then in 1854, uh, Sir Henry Raw Rawlinson deciphered the, the name Belshazzar on a clay cylinder unearthed from the ruins of the ancient of, of ancient Ur in Iraq. The inscription was a prayer of Nabonidus to his god Bel for himself and his son Belshazzar. So if Nabonidus was the last emperor or the last king of um, Babylon, he certainly had a son and his son was Belshazzar. There we have it. Now since then, since um, Henry Rawlinson discovered the first one, there's been more than 500 other tablets containing Belshazzar's name. From them, his whole history can be virtually reconstructed. Um, sadly, uh, Belshazzar was a weak king. Um, why was Belshazzar and not Nabonidus on the throne when Babylon fell? Um, the answer is simple. When Belshazzar was about 30 years old, Nabonidus went into a retirement at Tema in Arabia. It was a religious retreat. He just was wanting time out and he wanted to separate himself. So he said, okay, son, you look after the place while I'm having a spiritual retreat. And he did that in Tema in Arabia. Today, the Bible claims about Belshazzar as the last king of Babylon can no longer be doubted. Now, Belshazzar was a failure both as a king and as, as a soldier. Fond of luxury, he succeeded only in bringing his empire to ruin. The weakening of Babylon's leadership was noticed by the watchful Persians, Mede, and the Elamites, over whom Babylon had ruled for 70 years. You've got to understand that if you're a ruler over conquered nations, you can't let your guard down. And if you want to be drinking and partying and not worrying about what's going on outside, that's a very dangerous thing to do. And that's pretty much what Belshazzar did. So under the command of their dynamic leader, Cyrus the Great, they began to push into into Babylonian territory. Um, Belshazzar, Belshazzar felt so safe in the fortress that his grandfather had built and strengthened and, you know, with the rivers and all that, that he decided, and this was not an unusual thing, is that if you've got armies surrounding you, you throw a big party and make a big noise, right? Like we couldn't care less. But unfortunately, he was too arrogant with that. And uh, so he even got arrogant enough to, um, um, while, while the place is surrounded, you would think it would be a time to be watching out, a time of vigilance. This guy decides to party, only not the regular, this is in your face type of partying. This is, let's let our heads down and our, our hair down and don't even care anymore. It was a really a silly way to, to act as a king. And even, went to the extent of um, taking vessels that his grandfather had taken from various places, particularly from the temple in Jerusalem, 
and he even used those. And there's a sort of arrogance there that um, shows you what uh, weak will and drink can do for you. In this instance, um, a, the vessels belong to a god that his grandfather strongly acknowledged and even wrote a bit about. And sadly, Belshazzar, the grandson there, is sadly like a lot of grandsons, I guess, was very forgetful and too much to drink. And um, that's the uh, vessels from the temple. Just a quick look. You can see the uh, menorah and the table of showbread and the um, altar of incense. So, yeah. And so, um, yeah, that was the position that he finds himself in. Now, feeling safe and secure behind the city walls, what did Belshazzar command to be brought to the banqueting hall? And verse 2 makes it very clear. We're just referring to this. Belshazzar gave the command to bring the gold and silver vessels which his father... Father is an, a term used loosely. Um, it can be father, grandfather, ancestor, uh, somebody that was predominant before him um, that his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temp temple. I shot, uh, said it quickly, which had been in Jerusalem. So very clearly... Um, we find himself already <clears throat> not doing a wise thing. Now, uh, very quickly, as soon as he was doing this, a frightening event interrupted the celebrations. What was that frightening event? A man's hand. Actually, the fingers, it says in Daniel 4 and 5, the fingers, finger of a man's hand appeared and wrote opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. So the writing on the wall. There it is. On the plaster. Yeah, I'll backtrack that. There you go. On the plaster. Yep. Okay, in, in question three. Uh, what facts can you find in verses 4 to 9 which show that the message on the wall could not have been written by a human hand? What do you think? Yeah, that's right. That was one of my answers. Right, and the other one is it, it just appeared out of nowhere too, which is a very supernatural event. But, Paddy, you're right. It was a part of a, of, of a hand. Fingers not attached to a body. Now, it says here... Trembling with, with terror, Belshazzar shouted for someone to bring in the astrologers, but they were unable to understand the writing, just as Nebuchadnezzar's wise men had been unable to interpret his dreams 50 years before. And um, when the queen heard about the trouble, she hurried into the banquet hall. Now, what wise suggestion did she make to the king? He said, there is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit, thank you, of the holy, of the holy God. Now, it says God's in yours, in the Bible. Well, because Nebuchadnezzar who knew who it was, and this woman's closely, closely related, and because of what he wrote, and because Daniel was related to that God, even though it's Elohim, which is a, a plurality, it should really be a capital G, 
God. Yeah. Um, the translators of Daniel and Revelation aren't too sure sometimes um, how that translates, but any commentary that is well worth reading will say that that was 100% correct, how that is. Because Daniel's God was, was a God, it was plural, but it was God. They knew who Daniel was. I mean, that's whom she's seeking, surely. Spirit of the living God. I don't know where you saw that either. It's probably in another place. Okay. Welcome. This is number six. Have you, have you got yourself a pen? Good girl. All right. And we're going straight to question five. So you missed a couple of questions. Okay. Or question four, part B. What did the Queen say? This man had been able to do for Nebuchadnezzar. Interpret dreams and solve problems. So there we have it. Interpret dreams and solve problems. So she was very clear she knew who it was because she was now explaining what he could do. That's what I'm saying. It's got to be the spirit of, of God in there because how can you know all the rest and still think it's um, plural gods? The mix-up with this, and I'm going to explain this, is that the Hebrew word for God, capital G-O-D, is actually um, Elohim. Now, in Hebrew, you have single, dual, and plural. I don't know of any other language that has one, two, and more than two. In English, we have one or more than one, and we usually add an S. If it's a d one dog, it can either be two dogs or 15 dogs or 5,000 dogs. That's the S means there's more than one. Um, in Hebrew, they have a singular, L. I can't remember what the plural is for God, for the jewel, but they have for jewel. And how do we know that that actually exists? Remember one of the other prophecies where it was for a time, times, and half a time, and they know that that times is two times, and it's translated as two times. One time plus two times, and it's only times in the Hebrew, but it's got the little ending on it which says two of them. Well, Elohim is three, or more than two. And um, you've either got to translate it as a little g, gods, or a capital G, God. Yeah. Oh, that's odd. That's wrong. Yeah, but um, he's never been annotated like that, even though it says in a lot of places, um, uh, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Again, in the Hebrew, that word one, when you look it up in your Strong's Concordance or any other Hebrew uh, book, it's a united one, it's not a single one. It's like when a man should leave his mother and father and, and uh, cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Same word, one. Now we know that when you got married, Patty and, and Trish, you didn't morph into one individual, did you? Scotty, sorry, what did I say? Oh, Scotty, I feel a bit like Jesus talking to uh, Simon the, the, the Pharisee. I'm 
talking to one and referring to another. Uh, um, um, Scotty and Trish, when you got married and you became one, you didn't morph into a single being with four arms and four legs. You're two different separate individuals, but you're still one in purpose, in dreams, in goals, um, you know, in your lifestyle and everything. That's what that means. And so you have that uh, the Lord is the Lord is one, and that same word appears everywhere, all the way through. For the Lord is one, and then we have the other expression in Genesis one twenty six, and God said, "Let us make man in our image." So there's a plurality there, that's stressing the one. It's one of the hardest things to understand, but it's either got to be more than two, or there's a lot of mistakes in Scripture that we have to kind of overlook I prefer to think that there's no mistakes in scripture and the scripture is exactly right so there's a plurality in there so it's a corporate so that word there is capital now what have you got no, there Doran I, I <coughs> okay gods okay well, no, that's okay. That's an interpretation by that translator, and it's only because they're not aware. Well, obviously, they're not studying the book terribly well because if Nebuchadnezzar knew the God of Daniel, and uh, the Queen here is saying that that referring to the God of Daniel, I mean, it says that um, he is able to interpret dream and self puzzle. She knows the whole history of Daniel. So I, I believe it's God with a capital G. Have I not confused the issue too much with that? Okay, good. All right. <clears throat> now, and of course, verse 12, we become extremely clear who that is. Uh, what was the name of the man who was being referred to? Yeah, Belteshazzar or Daniel. Yeah, we know that. All right. So the queen here would most likely have been the queen mother, possibly the daughter of Nebuchadnezzar. She refers to Nebuchadnezzar's father, which in Bible times often meant ancestor. This would have been the meaning here. It is for the same reason that Nebuchadnezzar is called Belshazzar's father in verse 2. Now, just, just pointing that out, I've said enough now, but notice the few... That's the queen's most likely the queen mother. Notice the futility of the Babylonian religion. Um... There's only one true God. Um, the other guys couldn't do a trick, take a trick before. They never could, all the way through. Every time they were approached, it was Daniel, and every time he acknowledged the one true God, every time. There is one God who can do this. So, again, it's all about others versus Daniel's God. And by the way, who's, who, who's this Daniel, Daniel's God? He's our God too, isn't he? Yeah. All right. Yep. Now, Daniel warns Belshazzar. <coughs> Question 5. When Daniel was brought before the king, what did Belshazzar promise to give him if he can interpret the writing on the wall? <coughs> I find this interesting. You shall be cloaked with purple. Now, that's um, uh, meaning royalty. It always has meant that. And it was a well-known thing right throughout uh, the um, olden times and the Middle Eastern times. And I'm not going to go into who's clothed in, clothed in purple now. Also, you're going to have a what around your neck? 
a chain of gold, and we know that's also a, a, a symbol of authority. And then you shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Whoops. Why the third ruler? Sorry? Well, there's him for starters and his father. So he can't promise half a kingdom because uh, his father's already in charge. So it's divided between those two. So he can only offer a third or be the third ruler, probably the third position down. Now, Daniel's been around for a long, long time, hasn't he? I would like to say long in the tooth or really, really been around the block a few times, right? So um, our next question, was Daniel interested in making money uh, or receiving honours out of his work as a prophet? Look, he already knows how God works. He knows what it's about. And I think he's been waiting for this day for a long time anyways. Yeah, that's true. That's right. He knew that it was going out. That was prophesied, and we'll come to that a little bit later on, but it was prophesied even who? That's right. That's right. And, um, yeah, 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 you can come here. Give it to somebody else. In fact, that's what he said, wasn't he? Let your gifts be for yourself. I don't want your gifts. Now, he would never have said that to Nebuchadnezzar. But this, the arrogance of this man... Daniel's not interested, doesn't care, not afraid. Keep your gifts. And give your rewards, or rewards, singular, plural, to another. Yet, see, so I'm not interested in what you've got to offer me, I don't care. You kind of don't interest me at all. But I'll tell you what, I'll still tell you, I'll still tell you what it's all about, eh? I'm sure he was looking forward to it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was yeah, just yeah, looking up there, probably smiling and thinking, yeah, that's right, Lord. You know how you kind of see a situation, and I don't know, maybe we shouldn't be so happy, but sometimes we are when we see the arrogant fall. Anyways, question seven. It says, Daniel was not in a hurry. I like that. <laughs> not in a hurry to explain the writing on the wall. First, he wanted to remind Belshazzar about his failure to learn from God's dealing with Nebuchadnezzar. Again, there's the expression that he should have known who that was. Hence, God with a capital G. I still can't stress that enough. And verses 18 to 21, write down in a few words... Daniel's message to the king and any lessons we should take from it. Did you have any answers to this? Okay. What did you have? I haven't got anything written down here, so I'm going to rely on you guys. Yeah, humble your heart. Yeah, that'll be, yeah. Oh, what happened there? Remember the past? Let's have a look what we got up here. No, he didn't. The king should have learned from Nebuchadnezzar's experience. That's what you were saying, Doreen. Yep. And uh, should not have been proud. Billo, you picked up on that. Humbled his heart. 
you know, um, no matter how much you think you know, no matter how great you might think you might be, don't. Don't, don't, don't be too proud. Don't be too arrogant with that. Uh, the Lord sees, the Lord knows all, and uh, we don't really know as much as we think we know. Absolutely. <laughs> and that fall can really hurt. Um, as we're about to find out. Okay. Belshazzar was expected to learn from God's dealings with Nebuchadnezzar, expected to understand that God has disciplined the former king for his pride and self-glory. I mean, his grandfather was an animal for seven years. You know, it is a principle of the Bible that we learn God's will from the way he's instructed and corrected those who live before us. Belshazzar knew all about Nebuchadnezzar's humiliation, but it didn't seem to apply the lesson to his own life at all. The whole Bible is based on the history of God's relationship and dealings with his people. Question 8. Okay. Question 8. What did Daniel say was the reason for the running on the wall? He says, but you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart. Although you knew all this, again... He knew all this. That was my point. And you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of Heaven. I don't know what the matter with this thing is tonight. There it is. The Lord of Heaven. There we go. Yeah. It could be the batteries. Yeah. Actually, give them a bit of a spin. Sometimes that helps. All right. Have you got all the answers down? There's the writing on the wall again. And Daniel's looking quiet old, isn't he? You know why? Because the 70 years is nearly over, and if he was a youth, that puts him, what, in his 80s now? All right. What three things had Belshazzar done that were most offensive to God? What do you think? Three things. Yes. Yes, I got three things, but they were the two. In fact, one of them is related with the second one. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, he actually. Um, what happened there? Yeah, yeah. He desecrated them, worshipped the false gods, which w was what he was doing. But, and he also filled the vessels with fermented wine. And you can't do that either, you, you know. I mean, he shouldn't have even touched the vessels in the first place. But he, he, it's kind of like adding injury to insult. Uh, and trust me, you don't do that to God. <laughs> you pay a price for that. Uh, as we're about to see. All right. And his knees were knocking, they tell me, shaking. I remember when I first started preaching, I was so grateful for pulpits that were solid fronts because you couldn't see my knees. When I first started, it's not so bad now. It's because I've done this a lot of times and I enjoy what I do because so, I'm getting a lot of... And I'm among friends. Yep. Okay, question nine. Um... Question 
Well, that was question nine. Yeah, we've got all the answers to that, haven't we? Um, the sanctuary of Jerusalem was held sacred not just by the Jewish people, but by God himself. It represented the dwelling place of God with Israel. It was the centre of worship, salvation and judgment. And Belshazzar's abuse of the sacred vessels of the sanctuary in an idolatrous drunken feast was his crowning offence. This is a close bearing on later chapters in Daniel again. So interesting, everything points ahead with Daniel. All right, so question 10. Gonna need some new batteries. Who did Daniel say was responsible for the writing on the wall? Yeah, so one word. God with a capital G, God who gave you breath. Yeah. And um, quick picture here of God and his Shekinah glory. The word Shekinah is a Jewish word. It talks about an all-powerful all glow, Shekinah glory. Have you got some new batteries for us? Yeah, let's do that. Thank you. You got the wrong ones? Thank you. <laughs> okay. There's two people up here, God and Satan, but God's winning. And if, and if Satan's trying to steal the show, must be an important program, hey? Think about it. Think about it. Yeah. Thank you, Peter. Amen. All right. Did you put dead ones in? I think it must have been the machine. I'm going to bring mine next time. Aha, uh -huh, here we go. What's... If I just aim it at you, there we go. All right, was that you or me? Okay, all right. Question 11, from these verses, uh, many, many tekel kupasen, um, read the four mysterious words and write their interpretations which Daniel gave. What does many, many mean? Yeah. Oh, you, is that the first one, is it? Many, many found them. Yep. Yep. Actually, it's, that, that's correct. It's, you've been weighed in the balances. That's what many, many. In my answer I was given... Babylon Kingdom was ended. That was uh, they were they were found weighed in the balances. They served their time. They crossed the line, and uh, tackle, which was a kind of weight, weighed in the balances. And if you've ever seen on the American halls of justice, you see a woman with a scale. She's blindfolded, weighing the justice. Yeah, judge judged and found guilty. And Paris or Ufasen, um, your kingdom is, yeah, is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians, yeah. Notice Belshazzar's reaction. You find it difficult to understand how at this desperate moment the doomed king could have remembered his promise to reward Daniel. Wow. Okay. Um... 
Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, probably because yeah, that was greater than what he could master. So you know, if it, Daniel could work all that out, yeah. But he should have known that Daniel's got no part of it anymore. He doesn't want anything to do with it. So question twelve, you're going to have to do it for me. I think. Yeah, he wanted to elevate Daniel. Keep going. And the question today is, when you think about it, do we have a tendency to also block or out or ignore God's warnings? Is it pretty much inherent in our human nature? You know, oh yeah, I think I know what God wants, but I think I know what I want as well. So we'll try it my way first. It's just something to be reminded about. Okay. Sorry? Yeah, well, you're doing. That's what you're doing when you do that, and you know, you, you see it all the way through through the Bible. Even even great people did that. Moses didn't get to the promised land for doing that. Sarah, all of them did it did it wrong. You know, um, Peter. Uh, the only one who didn't do it wrong was Jesus, and thank thank God for that because. We got a chance because of that, but every one of us we have that weakness where there's God's way, but I think I can do it better, or um, I can, we can do it sooner or later, or whatever. It's it's really hard to to do it exactly right all the time, which is I guess why we need pardon. We need to have that constant relationship with God and talk to Him all the time. Uh, uh, keep your manual with you <laughs> yes yeah that's right yeah what they neglected to, to stick to yeah all right question 12 says what was meant by Belshazzar being weighed in the balances and found wanting very simply two words I wish I had my phone because it goes bong bong like in the yeah, yeah found guilty you know from um, law and order yeah Found guilty. That's what it meant. Weighed in the balances. Judged, sorted out. It's too late. And this question 13 says, how long did it take for judgment to come upon Belshazzar? Was it uh, a year, 10 years, a month? Yeah, it was less than 24 hours. It was fairly immediate, wasn't it? Yeah, fairly immediate. Judgment came very quickly and... Um, um, how were the Persians able to enter the heavily fortified Babylon to so easily? Well, Herodotus, the father of history, Greek writer and traveller of the 5th century BC, um, states that the armies of Cyrus the Great diverted, diverted the waters of the Euphrates, causing the river level to drop in its flow beneath the city wall. He was too busy drinking and living it up and... and yeah. Yeah. But I think well, they don't just party for for an hour or two days. They'll been partying a long time, and also you can set up a diversion back further, because remember they were besieged, they were surrounded, and um, it just takes one sudden movement to to start the drainage, and then you just wait for what twenty four hours. And if he's partying and half drunk for twenty four hours. He's not going to notice a thing. And I would imagine that those particular guards that were supposed to be there, they would be saying, well, if he can drink, we can drink. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah, you know. And anyways, who can get in? Yeah, arrogance, pride, before a fall, you said before, yep. Okay, so that's how it happened. And causing the river level to drop at the right moment when the palace revelry was at its height, the Persians entered via the riverbed, stormed the citadel, and Belshazzar was slain. The end had suddenly come for the Babylonian Empire, 538 BC. It was utterly incomplete. Okay, question 14. Who received the kingdom after the death of Belshazzar? Yeah, it was Darius the Mede. That was interesting, wasn't it? Well, Cyrus that went in, but Darius. I can't recall. can't recall. Um, I do know that the Medes and the Persians, the Persians were the, the larger army, but the Medes were the brains. The Persians were the brawns. So the Medes came in and they, they, they t took the um, throne. All right, now note here that Daniel had now lived to witness the fulfillment of the first part of the image prophecy, the head of gold going now to the uh, chest of silver, yeah. Uh, Medo-Persia had overcome Babylon. Think about how Daniel must have felt on seeing his prediction field. All right, question 15. Engrossed in the pleasures of life, Belshazzar steeled his heart against the voice of the Spirit of God. The same danger confronts people and rulers today. Would you like to have a mind and heart that's always responsive to God's leading and teaching? And my answer, of course, and your answer is a big yes. Okay. All right. In Exhibit 1, page 11, it says, When the Spirit Speaks. And um, I'm just going to go through this quickly. I'm not going to do every verse and every line. But the Holy Spirit is mentioned 350 times in the Bible. Some passages reveal that like God the Father and Christ the Son, the Holy Spirit is eternal and knows all things. Jesus speaks of the Holy Spirit as a person. He says, the Father will so I'll pray the Father and he'll send another helper, John 14, 16 and 17. He said he will teach you all things. He will guide you in all truth. He will tell you things to come. He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness. Paul also speaks about the personality of the Holy Spirit. In Romans 15.13, he talks about the love of the Spirit, which we've um, done just recently. Um, he can be grieved, and that is emotionally distressed. And he communes with people. 2 Corinthians 13.14 is a bless. And exactly, it actually reads, may the, love of the, may, may the love of God and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Spirit, if you translate that word um, 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 communion correctly, it means fellowship. And if you have fellowship, you have, it's a, we had fellowship out there before we started, you know. That's what it is. It's, yeah, it's a connecting. And the Holy Spirit became Christ's representative after he had ascended to heaven. You think about it, when Jesus was on this earth, he had 12 major uh, disciples or apostles, as he called them. He had about, what, four to 500. That was the larger mob that was hanging around him. By the time he was ready to go, and very soon afterwards, he was going to have literally 1,000. There was no way a single man in the flesh was going to be able to accommodate um, assisting all of those. It was going to need somebody with the omnipresence, and uh, hence the Holy Spirit. 
All the close influences of God upon a person's conscience are the work of the Holy Spirit. First through his word, we were saying that before, by which we learn the truth. Then through our thought and prayer, he inspires desires to do right and brings feelings of guilt when we break God's commandments. It is the Holy Spirit who moves us to repent, that is to be sorry for our sins, to turn around, change our minds and go the right way. That's what the, what the word repentance means. It literally means to turn around. In fact, I liken it to, if you ever do something that God is um, displeased with, we were talking on Sabbath about what is sin, and I always like the old timer in the back who goes, sin is transgression of the law. And it's like it's the only, only um, definition in scriptures. I mean, um, um, James 4.17, I think it is, says, if you know the good that you ought to do and you don't do it, that for you is sin, yeah. And to me, sin is not a particular action per se. It's, you, you think about it, if it's to do with the Ten Commandments and all the way through Romans, we find how Adam sinned, Adam sinned, Adam sinned. Well, let me tell you, he didn't covet another man's wife. There was no other man's wife there, was there? He certainly couldn't steal from his neighbour and he didn't know any other God. You get my point? But he sinned big time, right? How did he sin? It's very simple. How does anybody sin? Disobedience. That's all it is. You want the simple turn. You want the scary turn. Sin is doing something that God doesn't want you to do or not doing something God wants you to do, which makes it even more scarier. And um, when you do or don't do that thing, you actually turn your back on God. He's behind you and you're focusing on the thing in front of you. I'm not going to do that or I'm going to do that. And the moment that you repent of that, you actually turn your back on the sin and who are you then facing? God again. And where does, one, where does God want you? He wants you facing him. And that word repent, it's a funny word because we hear it all the time, literally means to turn around, to turn back. Yeah, and that's what those, and I love that. If you look at it as simply as that, you get it. So try not to turn your back on God. All right. Wow. Well, um, oh, I've got one last little question here. Um, well, here, when the Holy Spirit speaks, what should we do about it? We can respond as Nebuchadnezzar did at last, or like Belshazzar, and turn a deaf ear. Isaiah said, we can hear a voice saying, this is the way, walk in it. The voice of conscience, Hebrews 3, 7 and 8 says, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Try asking yourself, will I be a Belshazzar or will I be a Nebuchadnezzar? All right. Wow. We're at the review quiz already. Oh, it's all good time. Very difficult true or false quiz here. Have you all got your envelopes? All got your pens? All got your names on them? All right. Uh, you're all ready. All right. Question number one. Belshazzar held a drunken orgy, or orgy in which he openly challenged God by drinking from the sacred vessels of God's sanctuary. True or false? Do not speak. I don't want to hear a word. Who said false? Who said true? That's good. That's good. 
All right. Because it certainly was true, wasn't it? We know that for a fact. But number two, a supernatural hand wrote on Belshazzar's palace wall to announce the end of the Babylonian kingdom. What do you think? What do you think? Yeah, true? Okay, there we go, true. Two truths out of two. All right, three. It took less than 24 hours for the prophecy of Belshazzar's death to be fulfilled. Boy, if you get this one wrong, we just had it on the screen about three seconds ago. So you've got to get this one right. What did you say? True. Who said false? True. It was less than 24 hours, wasn't it? It was over very quickly for him. Number four. <laughs> we just did this a few seconds ago. The kingdom of Babylon fell to the Medes and the Persians. What do you think? True. True. All right, who got four out of four so far? All right, now comes the hard one. Oops. Oh, I got it in just in time. Daniel was not able to make clear to Belshazzar exactly why the kingdom was being taken from him. What do you think? False. 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 You sure, Billo? Absolutely. You sound very confident. Absolutely. It was false. Who did not get five out of five tonight? That was going to be the five easiest marks ever in the whole world. Okay. That's because I didn't do the quiz. Now, if I'd done the quiz, it might have been a bit more difficult. But there you go. All right, um, what did you think of the lesson? What did you feel about God and the way that he's in charge of everything? You can flick at the next one. Sorry? You're pleased that he is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to find a bit more, and it's very interesting. The next lesson is going to be the Night of the Lions. Um, the trying time for Daniel's not over yet, is it? You think it would be? But always jealousy creeps in. And this is just let you know that even when you're on the right track and you're doing it right, you can still be persecuted. You can still have others out to get you. This is what we're going to find out next next um, next Saturday afternoon at 2 o'clock. Um, are there any questions or comments that anybody wants to make? We've got a minute or so. Are the quiz questions too easy? Would you like me to make them harder from now on? No? Okay. All right. Well, who'd like an early minute? Yes. Absolutely. It keeps it fresh in your mind, and there's always something in there that you think, oh, wow, didn't pick up on that before. And that's why it's good to do it if, if you've done it before or if it's your first time. Um, I just know that from doing this for a long time, the people that have done this over and over, um, they bring the same manual in and they don't go for the quiz the second or the third time, obviously, but they sit there because they're just picking up more and more. How, how are you going to remember every presentation, every thought, everything spoken? And also, every so often, someone throws a curly question in and I've got to do a bit of research and something else comes out. Always something else comes out. It's very interesting what, what happens. So it's all good. All right, I'd like to say thank you for coming and uh, sharing with us. Everybody out there, I hope you enjoyed what you're listening to this evening. 
come back on Saturday afternoon at 2 o'clock. You'll hear a bit more of the book of Daniel. We're going to do Daniel in the lion's den. So um, uh, before we hand out the lessons and depart from here, we should close with prayer. Father, thank you for being with us, particularly in our travels here. And now we ask for um, traveling mercies back home. Again, we ask for a blessing on, on our homes. Uh, keep our homes safe. Father, keep us in good health too. Be with Leslie, who's in hospital. Help her to get well soon, Lord. And be with the others that we prayed for a little bit earlier. And, um, yeah, Father, watch over us until we can all join here together again next time for the next six sessions session and this we ask in Jesus name. Amen. Uh, good evening.